Hello and welcome to the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. I'm Josh Roller here in Charlotte, and Rob Peters is in Indianapolis. We are communicating via the internet. It's amazing technology. Uh, it's great. We are telecommunicating here, and we will discuss racing news from Pocono in Iowa, which somehow had races at the same time. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit too. Also, touch on a little bit from Hungary. Nothing really surprising out of there. Uh, nothing really at all. Um, and a little bit more. We got some news. Got some great topic debates to, to discuss. Joseph Newgarden would have been bestowed Corn King by Dwight Schrute if this was an episode of The Office. And that's really my only little big pun I got here today. Uh, Denny Hamlin was called out by Kyle Larson. Hard. Hard. We'll talk about that move. Uh, we'll also talk about Shane Van Gisbergen, SVG, and also College Racing. Plus, Nashville and IndyCar as a season finale. And uh, we got, like I said, we got a lot to talk about. We got a little bit of news, not as much news. We had some record breaking news counts last couple of weeks. Uh, so, Rob, I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to you because we do have a lot of upshift downshift to talk about this week. A lot of those little nuanced points. A couple of them that you'll hit on here, and we'll talk more about later in the show, so take it away. All right, yeah, let's go ahead and jump right on in here to the news of the week. Uh, starting off with some Formula One, we'll go ahead and say that the uh, Hungarian Grand Prix is uh, set to remain at the Hungaro Ring through 2032. So the Hungarian Boring. Grand Prix set in Boring. stone for a long time. Yeah, well, I know. Um, this, we'll talk about this later in the show, because this is kind of interesting. This is a little bit wild. Uh, Formula One is demanding, they are demanding that Las Vegas businesses pay $1,500 per person in licensing fees or risk having their view of the racetrack obstructed. We'll talk, like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit more in the show, but basically what this means is if you want to go, uh, to a local you know, business or restaurant, bar, whatever, and watch the F1 race there, that local business is going to have to pay $1,500 to Formula One for your attendance in order to avoid having your view obstructed by something. Imagine a giant billboard or a, an awning or something. Yeah. They don't, no free rides for this Las Vegas Grand Prix, for real. Yeah. I got to pay for it somehow, I guess. So, All right, next on uh, into some IndyCar news. So Simon Pagano is still not been cleared to uh, race after his crazy accident at Mid-Ohio. Uh, so Connor Daly substituted for him again. Really don't know when Pagano is going to, you know, be medically cleared, but we hope that it's soon and we hope that he gets better. And, you know, hopefully we can see Simon back out there, uh, hopefully later this season. Um, but obviously don't rush anything. I mean, concussions are serious. You don't want them to rush anything. Um, we'll talk about this. Also more on this later. Uh, but Racer has reported that the Nashville Grand Prix is preparing to become the 2024 IndyCar season finale. The current finale track, Laguna Seca, is set to be moved to March. So some IndyCar schedule shakeups, even though they're not the shakeups that we want. They're still shakeups. Uh, Will Power, old Willie P, has volunteered to take hot laps at Bathurst in an IndyCar at Mount Panorama Circuit later this year, as race organizers announced that they are accepting 10 open-wheeled cars for invitation and demonstration purposes. 
This includes Formula One and IndyCar. Let me tell you something. I love that. If you've ever seen S5000 at Bathurst, it's something to behold. It's wild. It's crazy. It's insane. It's fun. It's fast. Uh, this will be really cool. And uh, this is actually a perfect segue into the next piece of news because we have some supercars news. This dropped on Monday that Simona de Silvestro will run this year's Bathurst 1000 with uh, the Shell V-Power racing team of Dick Johnson Racing alongside current Super 2 driver Kai Allen, who I have looked up and is currently 18 years old. So Simona's going to be racing with an 18-year-old out there. Um uh, but hey, this this is a huge, this is a great, great ride for both of those people, both Simona and Kai Allen here. This is, I mean, DJR is good. I mean, obviously, Fords now are not as hindered in supercars as they used to be. ADP has now finally won um, a race. Uh, surely Will Davison might hear, who knows, maybe this weekend, I don't know. Uh, be nice to see that happen. But we know that Simona's going to have a nice competitive car, hopefully, uh, at the Bathurst 1000 this year, which is great because, you know, I, I love I love the idea and concept of Pareto Autosport, but it's kind of disappointing that Simona is and that team tend, seems to struggle for speed. So it's nice that she won't have to worry about that right now. She'll she'll know that she'll be in one of the top cars in supercars. So she'll have a good shot at a good finish at Bathurst, and that's that's always important. Yeah. All right. Let's talk into some NASCAR news. More on this later in the show as well. Uh, but hey, we got we got good fun news here uh, about SVG. We're going to talk a lot about Shane Van Gisbergen. So get used to hearing his name. Uh, it's good practice because we're probably going to be saying his name quite a bit here in the future. Because Shane Van Gisbergen has announced that he will return to Project 91 uh, for Truckhouse at the Indianapolis uh, Brickyard, whatever, the Verizon 200 at the Brickyard. And this is on the heels of that news that he is unlikely to return to supercars in 2024 with a move to the NASCAR Cup Series coming likely next season. So, again, it very much seems that SVG is going to probably get out of his contract here with, um, you know, with, with uh, Red Bull and pole racing and probably come over here. Where he's going to end up driving, that is a good, that that still remains to be seen. But this next piece of news, uh, Winamax's own Justin Haley has announced that he is going to leave Colleague Racing and move to Rick Ware Racing in 2024 on a multi-year deal. Haley cited their alliance with RFK and Brad Keselowski being involved as part of his decision to drive for Rick Ware Racing full-time in 2024. Now, I believe also the reasoning behind this, now, from what I've understood, is this is what... I I, I can't remember if it was Matt Colleague or Chris Rice who said this, but I believe... It was Chris Rice. It was Chris Rice that... Okay, it was Chris Rice then, that it, it, it was basically sponsorship-related. Like, they were having a hard time finding sponsorship for Justin. And Rick Ware still got Biohaven. Obviously, they haven't been on the car in a while, but let's be honest, you know, Biohaven probably would like to get, kind of get clean up their reputation a little bit, getting a better driver, a, a more reputable driver uh, behind the wheel of the car they sponsor. Um, hopefully, you know, someone who doesn't tear up cars and someone who doesn't have felony assault charges pending against them, <laughs> you know, 
it, yeah. it's it's a dark joke, but it's true. Uh, so definitely, I think, and then I think that's good because then Rick Ware being able to lock down Justin Haley, who he said himself is somebody who doesn't tear up race cars, and is someone yes. who, you know, quietly. I know it's ironic that he said that, and then on Sunday, he. <laughs> He ended up wrecking late in the race. I kind of find that I found that a little bit ironic, but um, yeah, it. I I think, like I said, we'll talk about this later. But I think this is this is going to be probably opening that door for SVG a little bit because now there's again there's there's now an open ride that previously was not going to be open. Right. I don't. I don't know. I again. I am speculating. That's just. You know, I'm putting two and two together here and speculating, but... We'll speculate later. Yeah, we'll speculate later. later. We'll speculate a little bit later. All right, let's move on to the featured paint scheme now, and I'm going to turn things back over to Josh because he's got got the lead this week. He's leading this week because you heard him, you know, give the the opening opening title, though, the intro, intro spiel. So uh, why don't you go ahead, Josh, and tell us uh, what our featured paint scheme uh, of the week is. Well, you know, we had some uh, repeat winners that have already we've already gone over their uh, paint schemes uh, this year. Um, however, I did want to go with the one he was a little bit more controversial among the ones that we hadn't picked. That was Denny Hamlin. He got win number fifty in the Cup Series. Uh, that's a pretty uh, you know exclusive club. You know, seventy five years in NASCAR. In, I think it's like thirteen drivers have got fifty or more wins. I mean, that's that's amazing. Um, of course, when you've run approximately 2,750 races and one guy has 200 of them and another guy has 100 of them and another guy has 93, you kind of, you know, there's 400 wins right there off, off, off the table for anyone else to pick. But still, 50 wins, Denny Hamlin. Uh, a standout Denny Hamlin paint scheme is our featured paint scheme topic this week. And just a standout. It doesn't have to be our favorite. It just has to be one that they go, like, ah. I like that. I like that scheme that he ran. So, Rob, what'd you pick? Well, I mean, I did pick my favorite Denny Hamlin scheme because this is the one that I really like, and I wish that he would run again, and I hate that it, you know, had such a short um, time, you know, on the car. But the 2017 FedEx paint scheme is always, it's just always going to be my favorite. I think that was the best one that he's had. Um, You know, I think that, uh, some of his his paint schemes from uh, the early 2010s were good as well, like that 09, the 20 uh, that 09 to like what maybe 2011, 12 ish. Uh, that was 2011, I think maybe 2010. Um, those were good. Those were kind of cool paint schemes. I didn't really like the 2012 one that much, but it grew on me a little bit later. Um, but uh, this this one, this 2017 one, I always loved it. I always thought this was the superior one. Um, I didn't really care for its predecessor in 2016, but this one, I love the purple, man. I love this shade of purple. I think this shade of purple is, is, is good. I, I like, I like seeing a purple race car and I liked, I love the orange kind of scribbles on the side. I don't really know what to call them, so I'll call them scribbles. Uh, I love that, that detail. I loved how it extended onto the front bumper. Uh, I thought in general, this was a well-designed paint scheme. It wasn't over the top. But it wasn't over oversimplified either. It was unique. It was different. Um, and it looked like, I mean, excuse my French here, but it, it looked like a badass race car. It really did. Um, I thought it was, was quite simply one of the best paint schemes Denny Hamlin's ever run. So that's my featured paint scheme for this one. Uh, just, you know, wanted to talk about that because I've always liked it. 
So, Josh, why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, what, what your feature paint scheme is? Well, you know, Rob, I, I hate to tell you this. And I'm not trying to store the stirred crap, but oh. that's actually one of my least favorite FedEx games that you that you. I don't, I don't understand why. I don't. I don't. I think I like white FedEx paint schemes. I think that's that's a big portion. Like he ran, I like except, and I say that, but I loved his rookie schemes, like his 06 and 07 schemes. Yeah, those I like those. The the black, all, all black with 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 when FedEx was multicolored. I like uh, the Kinkos. I like when the, it was Kinkos. Yeah, had you had that. the different color, the green, the orange for express, green for ground, the red for freight, and in the in the blue for Kinko's later office. I don't know. I like those, but I, and I and I and I know that goes, and I know where this comes back from. I loved the Jason Luffler schemes from 05. So like when right now, and he's running these white schemes. Now it, his current scheme is not his best, you know, base white scheme, but it's I, I don't know. I just I. I don't like. I don't like completely dislike yours, but it's probably my least favorite FedEx scheme. I've very, always been very critical of his FedEx schemes, and I'm sorry. You can be critical of mine, absolutely. I, I, I've, Jason Leffler tribute was probably the best one. I mean, outside yeah, of this, so yeah. okay, I'm not disagreeing fair. with you. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, I'm picking actually. I'm going to Xfinity series, and I'm picking Denny Hamlin's uh, 2015 number 20 high sense Toyota. Um, you know, he drove this in three races that year. Uh, Richmond, Bristol, and Dover, and he actually won at Richmond. You know, it, it was, I don't, it's not really base teal or base white, but it started off white in the front and then kind of digitized long form into the teal and the, to the rear of the car. Um, I always liked this scheme and I really just, it just popped to me that I'm like, Joe Gibbs Racing has some really great Xfinity schemes. Some really great Xfinity schemes that are like, why can't we get these on cup cars? You know, why can't we get these on, you know, like a one-off? And I know why money, right? Uh, someone else is paying more money. Uh, but I always thought that this scheme would look good on like the 18, 19, or 20. Oddly enough, not the 11. I don't, I, I imagine it with 11, I don't like it. But I like it with the 18 and the 19 and the 20. I think that would have been cool. Um, I did not go back and look and see if the 18 or the 19 in the Xfinity series ran this scheme. Uh, but if it did, kudos to Joe Gibbs and Hisense for making it happen. Uh, but this scheme, I just liked it a lot compared to later Hisense schemes. It was, it was far superior, um, especially to the 2017 one, which was just, you, you, it's like someone decided to take a crap on the Taj Mahal. I mean, that's, that's what. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes uh i went there you know that's kind of what what that 2017 scheme was to this one i mean this is a taj mahal the the 2017 one is the crap version of it so i mean stirring up i'm stirring up crap here early i'm dissing on your yeah standout you're just sitting here school. you know making me kind of kind of frustrated a little bit oh yeah wait well, please retort go go I, I just to? don't i just don't understand how you can't like like the purple i think the purple's bad the best i mean i i i didn't say it was bad i said it's my least favorite but i don't like it <laughs> i know i know i just i don't know why man i don't know why i can't explain it um again i just i'm drawn i, I think it's I, I tell you why i tell you why it is because you have something that's more very physical to relate to fedex and it's the trucks and the trucks are always white right the trailers and the cabs they're white so I, I think that's probably why. If someone, it's like it's like I like 
it, the UPS scheme from way back in the day with David Reagan, where it was black way and gray. But, way back but, in the day. Come on. I know. I know back in the day. How old are we? We are, we are too old. Um, but the trucks that UPS had at the time and some of our divisions were black and gray, so it related to the truck. So I okay. think that's probably why. Okay. See, I, you know, it's not the greatest example or uh, reasoning in the world, but it is a reasoning. Um, and, uh, you know, this is great. We don't usually, I usually don't, you, we don't usually crap on each other's schemes. Yeah, we're not and, usually this angry. No, we're, we're usually not. Passionate. So um, that just happens from time to time, but we usually don't do that. Um, Rob, uh, unless you have anything to say bad about the high sense scheme, which would be totally fair and warranted, should we I, move on to the upshift downshift? Yeah, we can say, move on. Okay, well, well go, please, if you got something bad to say, say it. Bad to say about that one. I just, okay. I just have a problem with you not liking the purple and the orange. I think that's such a great color combination, and I like it. And I just don't get it. Like, what is bad about that? What is not? What is unappealing about that? I don't know. I can't explain it, man. I'm going back to my truck reasoning. It going back to the truck and trailer reasoning. I mean, that's that's totally fair. But like, we're gonna sit here and act like Dale Jarrett's paint UPS paint schemes weren't good as well. I mean, they were. They were, and I know that's, and I, and I know where you're going with that. I just, I just, I just can't explain it with FedEx. I just can't explain it with FedEx. But, I mean, and they he, were white. They were white, and they, yes, they had brown. But you know, it wasn't all brown like Reagan's. Yeah, I know. And he even drove the 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 truck that, or the the truck the the car that resembled the UPS big brown truck with flames on it. Yeah. Yeah, so. And I'll tell you this, you know, if we're talking bad U UPS schemes, I mean, it, Carl Edwards, the one Carl Edwards ran, that was awful. Oh, that was awful. That was truly awful. 100%. I don't even that know what they awful. were thinking with that one. They, they, had, they, they went nothing but bangers and then decided to just go out with a whimper on that one. Someone forgot to make a design and they realized, oh, crap, tomorrow. Yeah, they were clearly doing it at the last minute. Yeah. All right, well, Rob, let's go ahead and move on to the upshift-downshift segment because we do have a lot to talk about today, and I have a feeling we're probably going to some hurt feelings from the listeners and then people we're talking about Oh Lord. as well. Boy, uh, this is absolutely. just an unpleasant episode for these people. Absolutely. Well, upshift, if you're new, uh, we need to agree, downshift, we need to disagree with the statement or piece of news or happening out there, or sometimes there's a hypothetical in there. I don't believe there's really a hypothetical this week. Um, but, uh, neutral, uh, you, we, we, will shift it in there from time to time. We try not to, but sometimes if we have a little bit of, we get upshift, sometimes we a little bit downshift. Well, you know, that, that they cancel each other out and that's neutral, right? Um, or sometimes we just don't have enough information to make a decision. So we throw it in a neutral there as well. So first question here, if IndyCar expands the schedule by adding races, the Iowa IndyCar doubleheader should remain on the schedule. Do you upshift or downshift? Uh, I would upshift this right now. I mean, I can't deny the fact that this is success successful. I mean, look, the the grandstands didn't look as full as they did last year. But it was very clear that there was a lot of people there for both days. Mm -hmm. You know, it was very clear from the amount of camping that you saw was sold. And mm -hmm. a lot of the, I think, I think a lot of the reasons why the grandstands didn't look as full was, I think, because they built more of those luxury suites yes. and let's be honest yes. it's super super hot and there's yes. going to be a lot of people who are probably more willing to pay that extra premium that you know to do that instead of of course and i will also say the one worst the one bad thing that 
I didn't like was that um, they banned outside food and drink, except for unopened water bottles. Yeah, and that's going to be just, every time. I just think that's ridiculous. I just think that's awful. Um, especially when last year they had that pop-up hive inside of, like, uh, a big old um, storage storage pod or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had yeah. a pop-up hive store, you know? I mean, that would have been, you know, if I understand banning food and drink if you've got got that because then it's like oh people just go to the grocery store well they'd just bring the stuff from buy the stuff from the grocery store anyway so you know you're just making sure they buy it from a hive right yep. yep so that made sense but i didn't see that this year so it it doesn't make sense to not let people bring bring in food and 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 drink but anyway um that's irrelevant to the point i think absolutely I think absolutely the Indy- Iowa IndyCar doubleheader needs to needs to stick around um, because I think it's an event. I think it's become an event. It's become a big event. Hy-Vee's done amazing things. Every time I see pictures posted from this weekend, last year and this year, I'm just constantly amazed at just how much better Iowa Speedway looks, how great Iowa Speedway is. And also, for what it's worth, Iowa Speedway is an incredible track for IndyCar. Yes. It just is. The more short track open wheel races you can have, I mean, like seriously, if we can't go to Richmond, we should be going to Iowa twice. Like that's that's a fact. Like if you really want to expand the schedule, and the only reason I would be I would allow for the discontinuation of the Iowa doubleheader is if one of those races was replaced by a race at Richmond. That's not going to happen because you know ISC NASCAR. Um, so at this point. You better make sure darn well that you keep that Iowa doubleheader going because it is clear it is very clear that people come out for that. I think the concerts were great. I mean, Ed Sheeran Raven uh, waving the green flag. Then they said Carrie Underwood had a show there. I mean, these are people I know. I don't have to look these people up. Yeah. Okay. I know who these people are, which is not what I can usually say about other concerts happening at racing races. Like, I genuinely know who these people are. Um, I, do I listen to their music? Eh, no, but I know of them. Right. right? I know of them, and that's important. That's how you get people out to these events. And, that, and, and you know, there's some Twitter discourse and all, all that, whatever, uh, about, like, whether or not, you know, the, um, it, it, the concerts, you know, why, why do we have all these concerts if people, you know, it's be- literally, it's because, think about it, that's what we we do it for. If you could get people to show up for the concert and then stick around for the racing, you just made fans. You just made people come back. It's exactly why the snake pit is what it is. Yep. I mean, I know people personally who who went to the snake pit and didn't care about racing at all. And after a couple of years of going back to the snake pit, ended up actually and like getting interested in the race and going to like practice and qualifying um still going to the snake pit obviously but like you know buying tickets to other events at the speedway and and not that didn't have a concert at them like they they literally bought tickets just to see cars go in circles and that is a big deal that is the point of this that is why this double header needs to stick around because clearly it's working it's working and there's no reason to pull a plug on this early. Uh, Josh, go ahead with uh, with your take on this. 
Oh, I, it, you know, Rob, what we said before, that IndyCar needs to have about, like, what, 22 races? I think they have, like, 22 races, 23 races. I'm going to amend that and say we need to have 22, 23 race weekends. And I would say if a couple of those are double headers, I'm cool with that. And that includes this Iowa race. This is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I really, you know, side note, I think this is this is really showing that the race fans in the Des Moines, Iowa area are really, they're passionate. Yes, they built more of these luxury suites, probably because they knew it was going to be hot, right? You know, a big thing is like, yeah, well, the grandstands are there. How many people can sit there? X number. How many people were there? This number. And as that, that number is, you know, higher then we're good, right? We're good. I think they, because I don't think they had that infield one right off there, turn four, the entrance to pit road last year. That was phenomenal. Um, I mean, they, they, high V, IndyCar, um, whatever staff is going on there at Iowa Speedway knocked us out of the park. Phenomenal. Uh, can't say enough about it. The racing was fantastic. I know, you know, we'll talk about it later. Joseph Newgarden, you know, really was great and st stunk up the show a little bit. Uh, there was, you know, there was competitive up front a few times. But aside that, great job, great concerts. You know, even if you're going there for the Ed Sheeran concert, you just show up early and the race is still going on. You might be like, oh my gosh, this is great. I just gave a, a tour at, you know, this is a side note, at the summer shootout practice to people who hadn't been around the racing but are interested in doing something like, wow, this is actually cool. And it was practice. And we just basically walked around the garage. So if you're able to capture that among thousands of people um, at a race like Iowa with IndyCar, you got it. I mean, this is great. Iowa's doing a great job. Can't wait to see it back on the schedule next year. Um, you know, I know what they're talking about. Um, you know, shaking things up, maybe adding a race or two. Um, I definitely hope one of those races just comes from the Indianapolis Grand Prix. Maybe shift one of those races up to Milwaukee. But man, I, I I really would just say like like I want them to amend their own words and say we're gonna have 17 race weekends, and we're gonna have a doubleheader in Iowa, and we're gonna go to 16 other places too. So that's just me. Uh, next one here with Marco Andretti considering a full time move to stock cars. Should Connor Daly consider a full time move to stock cars too? Do you upshift or downshift, Rob? Oh boy, this is an interesting one. Um, you know what? I have to say, uh, I. God, this is so hard because I feel like Connor is a good driver and I think, you know, I think he could make, I think he could do well in stock cars as long as he got with the right team. Um, you know, Marco, sometimes he's quick, sometimes he's not. Marco's kind of all over the place. I mean, he's pretty good in SRX, which is great. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's 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 a weird one because I don't think that Connor Daly is a bad driver and I don't think that he you know doesn't deserve to have a ride in IndyCar or NASCAR but I don't know I just I don't know if he should give up on IndyCar just yet I don't think he, I I'm I'm going to downshift this I don't think he should give up on IndyCar just yet I think he's still got you know the fire in him and I think if he can get someone Get 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 a team that rallies around him. Not to say that Ed Carpenter Racing didn't rally around him. They did. But 
not necessarily, I guess, as much as they're rallying around VK right now. And VK struggling. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think he should still tough it out. But that's just me. I think he should try and keep going in IndyCar, but he's got no. He said he's got no other stock car events lined up for him the rest of the season. So anyway, we'll see. Josh, go ahead. I, I I'm I'm going to uh, downshift this as well. I, I look at uh, you know quality of ride available kind of deal. You know what what can he do? And I kind of think the best he probably could do would be driving for Nice in trucks. Not calling Nice a bad team, but I, I definitely think they shift a lot of their eggs into the Carson Hosevar basket um, as compared to the, the, the 40, the 41, and the 44, and 45. Um, I think they shift a lot of eggs in the Carson's basket, which, you know, hey, they, he's, he's the one getting it done for them. Um, but with that said, you know, Bailey Curtis has some good runs, you know, as well. Ross Chastain usually runs well in the truck that he's running. Um, but he also had two really good races this weekend in Iowa. You know, walking into there, got 21st on Saturday and got 17th on Sunday. Yeah, there was a little couple more attrition, but you know, you weren't the attrition. You were there at the end. And I think he was only one or two laps down. And I know that's like, he, he's one or two laps down, Josh. But like, look, as we'll talk about later, you know, look, 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 the the field was lapped to the top five in both races. The field. Scott Dixon went a lap down. How often does that happen? So, you know, I think uh, I, I think he's he's not going to be at MSR next year. There's no way. I definitely think probably. Blomquist is going to be in one of those cars, and Pagano and or both Castro Nevis are going to be racing in sports cars. Um, kind of stinks, but I don't think that's going to be an option for him. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't give up on any car, like you said. I wouldn't give up on any car just yet. Uh, look at the next one here. Do you upshift or downshift that Formula One is threatening to block Las Vegas club views? Uh, the restaurants in there as well. Uh, if they don't pay up to millions of dollars in licensing rights and fees, Rob, what's your take on that? This is just stupid. This is just so dumb. I don't understand Formula One. I mean, I do, but I don't. I feel like you're just you're you want you want to appeal to the American audience, but this this Las Vegas. I mean. Las Vegas and Miami are just give they're leaving sour tastes in people's mouths. Like, they're getting destroyed and shredded by local columnists. Like, they don't realize this, right? I mean, they can't keep this up. I mean, public opinion is going to turn. I mean, moves like this is going to make people mad. It's going to sway public opinion. People are not going to be as in love with Formula One. They're already not as much because it's not as competitive as it was two years ago. Okay, so all you're doing is hurting, hurting your product to the fans. But I mean, keep keep in mind they're they're all they're selling charging tickets so that you could just watch the race on a screen. They're charging people admission to not even be able to see the race 
but to be able to see this race on a freaking TV. So and so now anybody who wants to just you know be at a Las Vegas club is gonna have to you know be responsible for charging the club a bunch of money just so that maybe they could see a couple of bits of the cars. Like it's not like they're gonna actually sit up there the whole time and watch the whole race, right? I mean, maybe some people might be, but it's not. It's not like those people wouldn't have bought tickets anyway. They were at the club. They're at the club. They're probably not. Uh, they're probably not even interested in it. Or maybe if they are, what's what's the harm in introducing them to it? I don't see any harm in that. Do you? I don't like, know. I, yeah, exactly. It's just it's it's bizarre. It's it's a bad call. It it's it's F one's greed. This Las Vegas Grand Prix is just it it continues. It continues to be so questionable and so like what are we doing? I I'll be surprised if this thing lives out its contract at this rate. I don't I don't even know what the second year is gonna be like. I mean people I'll, I, I, I'll, I'll be, I don't know, again, I, I don't know what the second year is going to look like. I mean, this is just great. The, I, I, I'm at a loss for words, dude. I mean, I'm, I got to turn things over to you. I'm just, I'm speechless. I'm going to keep this real short and simple. Do they do, do they make the businesses at Monaco pay? If they make businesses at Monaco pay along the streets or suffer billboards being put up, then then they're in the right. But if they don't, then they're in the wrong because that's a double standard. That's a double standard. So, I mean, like you, I, I, I mean, look, we're, we're, these places are going to be like, are they going to actually be great sight lines anyways? Are they going to be able to stand close by anyways? What are you going to see? The top of a car go by, maybe. I mean, F one is just they're 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 run by. <laughs> I mean, hey, they're not run by the smartest people on earth, clearly. Um, but uh, and and you're right. There's a lot of pushback because of the tickets, not necessarily from the race, but from the l lunacy of some of these policies that they're coming out with. So, yeah, I'm going to keep it short and say if. If they do the same thing with places in Monaco and other street courses, then they're fine. They're in the right. Then they're not doing anything different. But if they don't do these things at these other races, then they need to take a look in the mirror and see if they really are actually doing it for the right reasons. Uh, next one here. Should AMR safety crews be permitted to replace tires on cup cars that have all four tires down in an effort to preserve... A tire's structural integrity, or car's structural integrity. Do you upshift or downshift? This is a... Look, I understand why this question is on here. I understand what happened. Uh, I mean, Logano had every right to be upset. Um, I, I, but... It just, it seems crazy to me to demand that the safety crew replace tires. I feel like that's just, that's a bit over the top. That's not nece necessary. However, however, uh, I think the way, NAS the, the, the way NASCAR did the next-gen car with these tires and the fact that when all four go down like that, I mean, it becomes stuck, and towing it can, can damage the car. 
I mean, that's just a design flaw in and of itself, and that's not that's not okay. Um, I don't like that either. I mean, I literally don't like how, you know, these drivers can have their days ended by something like this, whereas, you know, maybe with the old car, they would have only gone a lap down. You know, now we're just, these guys have to retire the car, and, and again... I fully understand Logano's anger. I fully get it. I, I I empathize with him because I would be just as upset if that happened. And, you know, you're sitting here thinking, man, I think I could get this car going. I think that, you know, engine's fine. I think aerodynamically it's going to be a little bit diffi- difficult. But, you know, we could still get back in this race, get a good finish. Like, he loses any opportunity to do that because, because of this. And, but again... You can't make the safety team change your tires. I mean, that's just going to delay. You're, 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 you're delaying the caution because th- these guys aren't pit crews. They're not going to know how to change these tires so, like, like the pit crews are. I mean, what, I just – I don't think th- – I, I think NASCAR needs to go back and look at the design, especially with Goodyear, as, and, and look at these designs of these tires and the way things are, beca- and the wheel wells and, and everything because this is just not the way – it needs to be done. I mean, Logano, Logano did not, should not have been, should not have had his day ended because of that. I don't believe that. But I also don't think that people who are trained to be first responders to the, these incidents, they're, they're, not, they're not mechanics. They're first responders. Let them do their job. Let, so now let's have NASCAR do their job with this car. That's that's my take on that. This is kind of a complex question. Um, first off, the design of the cars is design of the car. The design of the tires is design of the tire. That's not going to change. This the, the 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 way the reason all these tires are going down flat is because they're so thin, right? They're small. They got a larger rim, uh, a wheel than you did on the old car. Um, if the same thing happens in the Xfinity series, not all tires are going down on that on those on that car. Um, it just seems. I mean, for me, when I wrote this question, and and I don't know how where I even stand on it really, because I'm like thinking, what can we do to solve this? Could you have a team or two out there that kind of their job is all right? Work with the tow crew. Lift the car up. Let's change the tires. Put put non-raceable tires on. That that, that that the car must go to pit road and return those tires and put new ones on. Basically, you put tires on just to transport it. The driver can transport the car back to pit road. Was my thinking. And I know you're like, well, what if the guy these guys aren't trained? Like, well, you, these guys are get trained by Joe Gibbs and team in Hendrick, right? They know how to change these these eight people know how to change a tire, right, it, uh, on that track. So you, you, they wouldn't have to worry about that. But it just seems to me that the way we're transporting these cars now and the way it is, it just, it's not, I don't know if Joey would have been out. I know what he, I know what ultimately somewhat why he retired was not because of the, hit, the wall hit. It was somewhat because of the way he was being towed. The way it's being transported back. It's very it's very easy to say that when he hit that wall, he broke some toe links. That would have taken longer than however many minutes to fix that car. And then the DVP, the DVP clock. 
But is there a way we can't change the design of the car? We're not going to be changing the design of this car for a few more years. Uh, and we're probably not going to go and going back. We're not going to be changing the tires either. So how do we fix it? All four tires are down, buddy. You just might as well just get out of the car. That doesn't seem right. So how do we give this car the car a fighting chance to get back to to pit road to get uh to allow the crew to take a look at the car and make a final decision instead of making the track that it's a very long track. I mean, this maybe this doesn't happen this coming week at Richmond where it's a shorter track, but at the same time it. I, I feel like that's that's kind of a non-issue where there are some bigger tracks and this could easily what well, this we don't go backwards all right we don't permit guys to go backwards I'm like damn it just just tow the car back straight there's no cars coming they're on the long pong straight just tow it straight back to to, to pit road don't tow it all the way around and I don't know why they don't do that and it's best that they don't but it just I don't know I just I feel like we get there's got there's a solution somewhere here. And towing the car like they did, Joey. By the time he gets to turn two, he's like, "My day's done." You know, that, that that's got to be a helpless feeling. And then when they bring him back like that too, we delayed going opening pit road and going back to green until the car was basically like, "Yeah, we're done. Get us off. Let's go back." I mean, it was just some bad officiating there too. I don't know. I I I really don't know how to shift on this, so I'm probably going to go neutral. I feel like there's some good and bad in in that question with changing tires. Not again, not safety crews, but a special crew to do it. I don't know. Very, very interesting. Uh, next one: the Nashville Grand Prix is uh, is the correct track to host the IndyCar season finale. The Nashville Grand Prix is the correct track to host the IndyCar season finale. Do you upshift or downshift, Rob? You know how I feel about this. The IndyCar season should always end on an oval. It should always end, always, always, always end on an oval. If we want to end the season in Nashville, it should be on the darn super speedway. That's my opinion. However, Laguna Seca is awful. Awful as, an, as a season-ending track. It's boring. It, it provides no drama. It is, it is nine times out of ten it provides processional race was very little passing like we talk about f1 being boring like this is it whenever indycar goes to laguna seca basically it becomes what f1 is typically uh and that is not how you want i want to go out that's not how i want indycar to go out that so that being said honestly all right i'll i'll give them a chance i'll give them a chance to end the season at laguna's at or excuse me at at nashville because nashville clearly is crazy it's it's chaotic Anything can happen. It, it'll create for drama. It'll create for must-see TV. Not as much as an oval race, but then again, nobody's going to go to an oval race. People will actually go to go to Nashville. Eh, whatever. I, it is what it is. I I can't argue with facts as much as I hate it. You know, I could sit here and beat the dead horse for you know the next thirty minutes, but it, it's not going to do anything. All I could say is, you know, that I, I, I prefer it over Laguna Seca, definitely. If, if we're going to change – if we're going to do anything with that schedule, I'm glad mixing up the finale races is, is one of them. 
Um, compare, hey, I mean, like you, I, I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's better than what we got. So I kind of got to upshift that. I think it's a great town. It's it's not a cheap town, but it's cheaper compared to Monterey County, California. That is for sure. Um, and look, you're 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 kind of we're you're bringing the race to the people there. Hopefully, uh, as the course changes over the few next few years with the construction of the new Tennessee Titans. NFL stadium or renovation, whatever the heck they're doing there, um, that things get, uh, that they're able to continue having a good circuit. Um, I think it's a step in the right direction. Like you, I would love to have the season end uh, on an oval. Uh, selfishly speaking, it would be great for the company I work for to have it at Texas or Nashville, Super Speedway, absolutely. Um, but uh, again, step in the right direction. Better than what we have. That's where I'll stick. Uh, the Sunday Oval Race. Uh, IndyCar Oval Iowa Race should have uh, been primetime on NBC in order not to be in conflict with NASCAR's Cup Race at Pocono. Do you have shift or downshift this, Rob? Uh, okay, so this is going to be weird. I, I, I have feelings on this. So I don't hate the fact that they ran... I, I don't hate the fact that they started the races when they did. Because ratings-wise, you want to get this event in front of as many people as possible. Um, I think the thing that made me the most upset, I guess, was the fact that NBC... I think NBC just botched this whole weekend entirely. Um, they didn't even air the Tour de France final stage on linear television live, which I thought was pathetic. It was absolutely pathetic. Um, so there was that. Uh, but then pitting NASCAR and IndyCar head-to-head was equally as annoying. So not only are people like me didn't get to see the Tour de France without having to subscribe to Peacock, but then we had to deal with the fact that NASCAR and IndyCar were on at the same time, and it's all points back to NBC Sports. So that was really lame. But that being said, I wish that they would have made the second race a night race, but I'm also, again, kind of glad that they didn't because I don't know. I don't know how well that would have done for the crowd. You know, I think the idea was making it a two day event, not like a two night event, you know, because let's be honest, people still have work on Monday. You know, it, it works if you want to do it on a, a night race on Saturday, but it doesn't. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to turn a lot of people off, I think. If it's a Sunday night race, especially in a place like Iowa, you know, maybe you can get away with that, you know, in a more populous city or a more populous area, but not not Newton, Iowa. OK, I don't think you're going to get away with that. So I don't think really NBC had much of a choice on the IndyCar thing. Um, I'm glad that it wasn't at noon. I think that it, it was better to let the British Open play out. Um, and then go at 2 and at 3 o'clock. Uh, I thought that was both better moves because I think those were better times, um, especially for network television, network programming. Being, again, a lead out for the British Open, I think, was good. I think that was a better move anyway. Um, but again, it's it's just one of those situations where, I mean, what's NBC going to do? You know, what's IndyCar going to do? You know, you don't want to you don't want to let NASCAR dictate everything. 
you know, I, it's it's awful for us fans who have to two screen it. But at the end of the day, I mean, do you want those people in Iowa to have to stay until I don't know eleven, twelve o'clock on Sunday night, and then go back, go to work, and try and convince so and trying to convince those people to come back for that second day? You know, they might be inclined to go to the Saturday, but how are you going to get those people to come back for the second day? That's that's the thing. So it's really they're just a, w- w- between a rock and a hard place. I think the only thing that they could have probably done differently is ask that the NASCAR race started a couple hours earlier, but they weren't going to do that either. NASCAR is never going to start before noon unless it's a rainout. As if NASCAR is the one making the decision on start times. Yeah. It, it, well, and, and well, NBC for that too. I mean, they could have easily moved the start time up, but. How many people are watching USA at noon compared to their, how many people are watching USA at 3 o'clock? Yeah. It's just tough. It's, it's a tough deal. I mean, us NASCAR fans want those noon races, but it's very clear that Sunday night and Sunday afternoon races get better ratings. They just do. Like, I'm sorry. It sucks, but it's the reality of the situation. Um, and if that changes, great. You know, but until then, I don't really think they had much of a choice here. Like I said, outside of moving the NASCAR, the cup race up to up to noon. Yeah, I'm right there with you, actually. I don't think they had much choice. I think this was kind of the, the, the bad part of having a doubleheader, right? Where, you know, we're praising it. We, we want to see it. But you've asked people to definitely be there for three days with having track action on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. If you could say, like, hey, it's just a full day of practice and qualifying on Saturday and one race on Sunday, and it's going to be Sunday at 6 or 7 or whatever, 6 local, um, you know, that's, that's, that's different. But you had two races. I think they did, I think they did the best they could. You know, I think I think the only thing that could have been better. I think a lot of it is also dictated where, what is the NASCAR? Where is the NASCAR race at? If this had been Atlanta weekend instead of Pocono, I mean, you're talking completely different situation because you have an Atlanta night race, right? It's starting after that, so we're not even having this conversation. But they didn't. They were at they were at Pocono. Pocono doesn't have lights. And never will. And no matter no matter how much EA Sports or NASCAR twenty two thousand three racing has poking out with lights, we're not going to get that. So I actually don't think NR two thousand three has night Pocono, but whoever is really? a track maker out there should go. Should go seriously. They I don't know that, if I mean, there's I, a night Talladega either. There might be, but I don't know if there is. I, I think there's a night Talladega on EA Sports. Um, yeah, yeah, there is on on, yeah. on on like NASCAR Thunder or whatever. Yeah. Anyways, I think that there's there's like a hot rock in a hard place. Did the best they could. Uh, golf lead in great because I think there, I I do think there's a large constituent of golfer golf fans that actually do enjoy racing. Um, so good good lead in there on both. Um, yeah, can't can't like you said can't let NASCAR dictate everything either. Uh, I honestly was one of those people who's watching the IndyCar race more than the NASCAR race while they were concurrent because I wasn't two-screening it. So I was one-screening it. Uh, let's go on to the next one here. 
with Justin Haley moving to Rick Ware Racing in 2024, do you upshift or downshift that Shane Van Gisbergen drives for Colleague in 2024? Oh, this is an easy upshift. I don't even... I mean, this is pretty much what's going to happen. I mean, it's an open ride. I mean, unless Trackhouse opens up a, th a third car, which I don't know how likely that is, unless, you know, some other team owner is totally willing to shell out big money. Because, I mean, you know, I think Justin Marks was talking about how it's not going to be, you know, you're not going to get Red Bull to sponsor the guy. Like, Red Bull's not going to come over here and follow him. You know, you're going to have to get organic sponsorship there. Um, I think, I think it's probably, I mean, I, I, obviously they had issues with Justin Haley getting sponsorship there, but I think when it comes to SVG, I don't think that'll be as much of an issue. I think it's, I think it's pretty much, it's probably going to happen. I, I would, but if it doesn't, I'll eat my words, but right now I, I, I think, I think that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. Let's talk about, let me talk about a few things here. Um, one I think what's going to happen is Trackhouse is going to sign SVG, and he's, they're going to lease the contract out to Colic, and I think here's why. Trackhouse knows they are the black sheep in the Chevrolet camp right now. They're never going to have a strong relationship with Hendrick because they're trying to become Hendrick, right? They're trying to become the top Chevy team and, and the top team in NASCAR. They're never going to have a strong relationship with RCR because, crap, we were just being helped by RCR, and now we're kicking RCR's butt. Well, Legacy Motor Club's going to Toyota. Uh, other Chevy teams. Yeah, we are kind of the third one here. Uh, Colleague is new, like us. Colleague, you want to form kind of an alliance without calling it an alliance? Let's work together, grow our, grow our organizations, grow our power, our share in NASCAR. I think that's what's happening here. Justin Marks driving for for uh, colleague over in the Xfinity Series at Chicago. Daniel Suarez was in the 10 car this weekend at Pocono. Ross Chastain has a relationship with colleague racing. Um, I think this is this is it. We're like, hey, we we're not going to be able. To, there's not a charter for sale. Rick Ware's not selling one. Live Fast evidently is not selling one. Spires aren't for sale. Let's. Let's work together here. Matt, Justin's saying to Matt Collig, let's work together, right? I'll sign SVG. I'll lease him to you. I think that, I, I agree. Like, I, we texted back and forth, like, almost immediately when, when, when we saw this news. This is what was going to happen. I say that knowing I think there's only one team out there that could potentially sign him, but I think Justin Marks will try his damnedest to not let it happen. And he's either going to say, like, look, here's this team and manufacturer's track record with drivers. Here's mine, and here's my commitment to you. And I think that other team is Joe Gibbs Racing. And that's if Martin Truex Jr. doesn't come back, because Joe Gibbs said over the weekend that Denny Hamlin is coming back next year. And we know Christopher Bell and Ty Gibbs aren't going anywhere. Martin Truex Jr. is the one with a question mark by his name. So, I think that's the only team that could potentially lure SVG. But SVG is riding really a really great horse right now with Trackhouse. And if Trackhouse has an alliance with Colleague and has this like technical support group sh information sharing, 
then that's where I'd go. I fully expect SVG in the 31 car next year. Absolutely do. And uh, I'm excited for it. So I, I, I upshift. I, I, I do believe Sean Van Giesbergen is going to be with Colleg Racing in 2024. All right. Uh, you know, piggybacking off this one, Justin Haley is the answer to helping Rick Ware Racing run better, faster, and contend for more top 20s. Do you upshift or downshift? I don't know if I'm going to say he's the answer, but, um, you know, he's a good option. He's, he's a good get for them. Um, I think it's good for them to have a solid, you know, a solid lineup. I'd like to see them go to, you know, two solid full-time drivers. I don't know if that's going to happen, but you know, Justin Haley is a good, is a good option. I, but again, I don't, I don't know that he's going to, he's going to turn the team around in a 180 overnight. I mean, I'll say, you know, JJ Haley's had some good runs for him. Cole Custer's had some decent runs for him the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, Jensen Button has had good runs for them. I mean, it's not like they're the car. I mean, the cars are solid top twenty cars now, and I think that's that's a good that's a good sign of of progress. Um, and and but again, I, you know, I think he's Justin Haley's a good get for them, but he I, I going as far as calling him the answer, I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I think him going there, because I, I always want, I was asking myself, I wonder if colleagues said, hey, we don't have money for you to go cup racing, but we can put you in an Xfinity car again. And if Justin Haley wanted to stay in cup, right? Um. I wonder if Justin Haley is maybe what guy Brad Keselowski is looking at to take over at RFK when he decides to retire, right? Is this someone that he's looking at? Because RFK doesn't have a pipeline, right? Or is RFK going to shop out? Is RFK going to shop out for a, for a driver, right? Or are they going to just steal one from someone else? Um, I, I mean. I don't know. I'm trying to play off scenarios in my head. I I don't think... I think Justin Haley will get them... Will bring them to more top 20s. If they continue to go in the direction that they're going, and that is, can probably has a lot to do with being aligned with RFK. Because RFK is running... Real, I'd almost go as far to say this might be going out on a limb that RFK might be the best Ford team out there this year. That I is think they're a giving bold, bold, bold that's call, a, especially compared that's a to bold Penske. call. I understand. I don't even. But I don't. But but I know they don't have a win. But yeah, Penske running. does. Penske has a couple wins, but I feel like the six and the seventeen are running more consistently up front compared to the twenty-two, the twelve, and the two. I and, and they're and they're both in the playoffs right now on points. Cindric is not, you know, that, that, and, and so, and I don't know where Blaney and Logano are in points necessarily, but I feel like they're more consistently running on top. I know it's a bold statement, but I feel like that, that they're doing something right. And it's trickling to our, uh, RWR. So it's just, it's this very interesting time right now. Um, a very interesting move by Haley, uh, wishing the best of luck. 
uh, hopefully it works out for him and, and uh, his career and uh, he can bring Winnemac, Indiana home some more wins. I don't know the last time he was in Winnemac, Indiana, but um, uh, great little town. Great. We have been to Winnemac, Rob. You ever been to Winnemac? Uh, yeah, once or twice. Once or twice. Great little town. Uh, great uh, uh, power of the of the past show every July there. I believe that was last weekend. Uh, that happens at a city park on an island in the middle middle of a little creek. It's uh, absolutely fantastic. All right, a uh, little off topic there. Uh, next question, Stingray Rob. And the number 51 Dale Coin with RWR team were disqualified after his tire was lost on the track immediately after making a pit stop. Do you upshift or downshift? Do upshift. This is straight up a safety part i mean you can't have it running around in an indy car race uh it's just dangerous i mean yes i know we have the arrow screen and everything but it's still dangerous um we we saw a tire go over the the catch fencing i mean the last thing we need is for one of those tires to hit get hit and launched into the catch fence or into the grandstands that's like the last thing we need so um and ultimately it it it's on the team. I mean, if the team can't get those lug lugs on, then they shouldn't be out there. You know, yeah. they should. You shouldn't be out there if you're not gonna pit the car, um, especially in a situation like that. Or if you're gonna send the car, not tell the driver. It's it's just all a bad deal. I think IndyCar had to do it, and I'm glad that they did. Oh, yeah, 100% the right call. Um, I forget what Townsend Bell exactly said, but it was harsh, but I feel like it was firm. Um, I think he said he got egregious or something like that. It was very, very aggressive wording on the t on the broadcast, and I feel like it was spot on. Um, that was bad. As soon as they, they knew the tire wasn't secure, and I'd much rather them say, we have a caution because we have a car stopped on pit road because the tire is not secure, right? Or stop on the backstretch. Stop, 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 stop. And no one, that didn't happen. You let them drive around. And you just about had a car get, get, uh, oh, what, uh, uh what's the, what's Couple the. Couple inches, honestly. Yeah, very, very, very close. Uh, what's the, what's the Colts punter's name that, uh, is now, uh. Pat McAfee. Uh, Pat McAfee, it just about got Pat McAfee. Oh, God. Into, it just about got Pat McAfee into the high V uprights. I mean, look, oh, that would have been horrible. I'm making a joke, but it's true. It would have been, it could have been very, very, joke. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could have been very, very bad. And uh, great driving and, and some, in and, and a blind area, too, where the spotters can't see the tire. That's the, that's the scarier part. That these guys had the, also had the heads up and, 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 and thankfully, we have a windscreen. Um, so that is great. Aero screen, excuse me, um, to to uh, to help protect these drivers. So just, I mean, that team right there. If I if this was if this was me, um, I'm going to be like NASCAR and say, congratulations to the strategist. You get a two week vacation, a two race vacation. We we will uh, we will see you. What is the I will we will see you in Gateway. You get to sit home for Nashville and Indianapolis. Congratulations. That would be if I'm IndyCar Series Director to the strategist of the 51 car. Yay, two-week vacation. 
All right, next one here. Uh, again, similar. Do you upshift or downshift IndyCar parking Benjamin Pedersen in the second Iowa race for, quote, not maintaining a competitive speed? Uh, honestly, yeah. I got. I mean, Iowa is a place where that, I mean, that can get dangerous. I mean, we saw it over a decade ago with Milka Duno. I mean, it. You, you, if you are not, I mean, it's a short track like that. I mean, you have to, you have to flag the slower cars, because at that point it's going to become, it is a safety issue. I mean, like it or not, I mean, it, you, you cannot be. I mean, think about it this way: if you're, if you're driving on the highway, and you know you're driving on a three, four, five lane highway, whatever, and traffic's moving along pretty well. And all of a sudden you come up on this car that is going 20, 30 miles an hour slower than the rest of traffic. And you have to swerve or someone has to swerve or, you know, it just get. I mean, especially somebody like I'll tell you this right now. I tell you this right now. I was driving on the highway once I was coming home uh, and I was I was driving with my wife and um, I was following. I was following. I wasn't like tailgating this this car, but I, I was following the car. Um, I, I, I kept a safe distance, but, you know, I was, I was driving behind this car and, um, the car pull like merges, it pulls to the left to the, into the, into the next lane. And I didn't think anything of it, um, until I realized how quickly I was approaching on this next car. And I immediately slammed on my brakes. Um, thankfully there was no one behind me, but I immediately had to immediately slam on my brakes, um, and wait until all the cars in the other lanes passed pass by, and this guy was going 40 miles an hour in a 70. For no reason. I have no idea. I have no explanation. Because that was the minimum speed. I guarantee you that was the minimum speed of the, of the, of the uh, highway. Maybe. I don't know. But the it minimum was, speeds are 45. It, it, was, it was scary. It was genuinely horrifying because I thought, like, if I had not... If I was... You know, if I had been a couple of you know feet closer to the car in front, you know I would I would have I would have just nailed it. I would have just smashed it. You know I wouldn't have had enough time to slow my slow my own car down and and swerve. You know because I, I was you know there were cars around me. Um, so you know that's that's the fact of the matter is it it, it is a it it straight up is a safety issue. Um, and in those situations, at those speeds, you know, in, in on a short track like that, if you are not, if you are more in the way, you're not racing anybody, then you need to just get out, just get off the track. You just, you just don't need to be out there. It's not, you're, if you're not going to, you're not going to make any up any positions, you are just going to be out there being, being a hazard, being a moving chicane. And that's, that's not okay. Uh, yeah, this doesn't happen enough upshift, um, uh, too often. And, and I think racing today, we do not park the slow cars and, uh, good job for Indy car today. I'm pretty sure this had a lot to do with his, with Joseph Newgarn's comments on Saturday. Uh, he was very frustrated with the slow traffic. Um, but, uh, yeah, good job by them. Can't really add much to it. You can't, I don't know how you upshift this or excuse me. I don't know how you downshift this. Uh, this is clearly an upshift. You gotta you gotta park the slow cars that are in the way, moving chicanes that are not maintaining a competitive pace among the cars around him or her, and he was not. So good job for IndyCar. 
All right, live. We got two more questions here. The first one, Kyle Bush has already called Shane Van Gisbergen the favorite to win the Verizon 200 at the Brickyard, but admits the advantage won't be as big. Do you upshift or downshift? Um, yeah, I will upshift this. I think he's definitely the favorite, especially after I, how he did at Chicago. Um, I would be very surprised if he's not, if he, you know, ends up and, and, you know, it does not have a top five running car. I'll be very surprised. But yes, I think Kyle is right that he had, it won't be as easy. The Chicago street course, I think he had that advantage of having driven a very similar car on street courses before, whereas the rest of the field had not. This is somewhere where the whole field already has a year of experience under their belt, not just with this car, but at the racetrack as well. Um, do I think he could still win? Yeah, 100%. But like Kyle Busch said, it's it's not going to be as much of a cakewalk as it was for him at Chicago. I think the meme I saw by, I forget who, um, might have been NASCAR Cas, I'm not sure. I can't remember what platform I saw it on. But it's Michael Scott walking to the back like, because, hey, Toby, someone said Toby's here. Uh, uh, turns around, Toby's there, and he goes, no, God, please, no, 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 no. And Michael is the 36 NASCAR charter teams. And then Toby is SVG. Um, I, I, I do, I, yeah, I, I, I don't, uh, I wish Kyle was a little more optimistic. Like, man, we got this. We, we're good. We're going to get him this time. Instead of, yeah, yeah, he's going to beat us. What are you going to do when he's racing with you next year and you got however many road courses we're going to go to next year? And You just got to hope that he's not good on Oval. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I I I, I want to see SVG drive Project 91's car at Las Vegas. I think that'd be great. Um, I think it'd be a great track to get to allow him to get introduced to it. Um, I definitely would think that NASCAR would like to see him drive a couple ovals. Um, anyways, I digress. Um, but yeah, yep, Shift. I think I think Kyle is right. He probably is the favorite. Um, he's probably going to be the favorite by a lot to people who don't watch NASCAR, uh, i.e. The, 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 the betting books. Um, and yeah, I, I get Rob, you're, you're more inclined to speak to this. I don't know if there's a track in Australia or that he's raced at that he can draw similarities to Indianapolis. You kind of, they're frowning your face. You shake your head. No. Okay. So yeah, I don't, don't think there's many like Indy. I mean, Indy's literally flat and, but it's also an infield road course or a combined road course, which is, you know, it's, it, I mean, supercars has road courses that have different layouts, but nothing like Indianapolis. Yeah. So, yeah, it's gonna be a new experience for him. This is gonna be new. This is gonna be where the where the where the scales are tipped in NASCAR Cup regulars' favor. But he knows the car on road courses better than they do because it's so similar to his supercar. So it's gonna be interesting. There's gonna be more level playing field this time around. Um all right, last one here. Kyle Larson owes Denny Hamlin a shove into the wall after his antics on the second to last restart at Pocono. Do you upshift or downshift? Um, this is funny to me, actually, because I just thought it was good hard racing. Um, but I, I still can't get over the fact that Hamlin refuses to admit that he touched Larson. 
And I guess he said on Actions Detrimental that even after watching the video, he still doesn't think he touched him. And I'm sitting here like, dude, you did. You did. I, I have no idea why you are so blind to this, but you clearly did. And yes, the way Larson said it, the way Larson talked about it, the way the things Larson said in the in, in the show, I think, yeah, 110%, he owes him one. He does owe him one, but also it's a situation of Potts calling the kettle black here. <laughs> yep. Like, I, I it, it, he's done the same thing to other people. What goes around Just comes not to around. Denny. Right. Just not to Denny. The same t- yeah, but at the same time, Denny's done this to other people, so it's kind of like, eh, uh, I guess, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think Larson does owe him. I think I think Larson, or at the very least, I don't think Larson should give him any room. I don't necessarily think that he should give him, put him in the wall, but I don't think that he should. Uh, he should be making Hamlin's life difficult every time he gets around him. You know, under no circumstances do you let that guy pass you, no matter what situation it is. I don't care if you're 37 laps down and Hamlin is the leader, and it is the last lap, and second place is coming. Larson should not let him by. Like he should make his life hard. Not wreck him, but show him, hey man, if you're gonna race like this to everybody else, this is what's gonna happen. I mean, someone's gonna do it to Larson too. Surely someone's gotta do it to Larson, right? He's gotta get his his I mean, he can't have his cake and eat it too. He's gotta get he's he's gotta get his his share. But right now he's in charge of getting back getting Hamlin back. On behalf of other people. And then Hamlin will pay him back on behalf of other people. And hopefully it'll be settled. Yeah. Um, I definitely think Chase Elliott was walking back to his, his motor coach just laughing all the way. Um, I think this whole situation would be better if Kyle, if Denny just got out of the car and apologized and said, man, I did not mean to run my friend up into the wall like that. Um, but he didn't. He didn't, and he just he keeps doubling down on what he said on the front stretch. Um, I mean he's he was unpopular. That was that was a lot of booze. That was a lot of. You would think he just put Junior or Jeff Gordon into the wall, man. Yes, but that's what that's what Kyle Larson is today. I think he is the most popular guy on 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 the. On the circuit, he just won't get the votes to beat Chase, unfortunately, because the Chase army is wild. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, you know, Kyle, if you're on the inside at Richmond and Denny's on your outside, you give him a just enough room, just enough, and then you'd be like, oh, crap, I sneezed and run him on the wall. I sneezed. I'm sorry, man. And then proceed to deny ever making contact. Oh yeah. Oh, and by the way, I did. I wouldn't want to say Kim Coon is probably not going to get a Christmas card from Kyle Larson anytime soon because she kept pressing him. Um, but she had some great questions. But also, kudos to Kyle for remaining professional and standing there. I do hate that NASCAR drivers today try to end the conversation before the interviewee or interviewer does 
Like, they just try to start walking away. I don't like that. I think that's horrible etiquette. I'm not just saying that from a journalistic standpoint. I think that's very petty um, on drivers. So for her to keep to not allow that to happen and say, look, I'm going to ask you another question, buddy. Um, and he, we got some great stuff out of that. And yeah, we yeah, did. We got some great stuff. And so Kim Coon, interview of the year, <laughs> she redeemed herself from the Austin Dillon one. I'll say that. Um because the Austin Dillon interview, and how are you feeling right now? Uh, well, I'm mad. I, I <laughs> want to say something about Austin Dillon, by the way. Dude, if it wasn't already clear enough that you weren't cut out for this, you can't even throw your helmet right. Hey, have you ever, have you ever tried to throw a helmet, Rob? Have you ever tried to throw a helmet? Have I ever tried to throw a racing helmet? No, considering, no, I haven't. Okay, okay, I cannot well, say it's that not, I have. Yeah, I was focused. It's not as easy as it looks. And you're also trying to hit a moving object that's moving away from you. Not everybody can be Tony Stewart. And not everybody can be Ward Burton and walk right up to the car. <laughs> My man, I, 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 I look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going, well, up, we're going up against some generational talent when it comes to arm throwing and also just. Yeah, but if you straight up miss, it's just embarrassing. If you're, I if, mean, you, if you're not, if you don't think you're going to be able to hit him, why throw the helmet? You've because you're mad. Make because you're mad. You are mad in that situation. I feel, I feel for Austin Dillon. I know we're going off so topic here. Your by the way, with, 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 the, with the Kyle Larson, get. with the Kyle Larson thing, I upshift. By the way, I do think he, I think he do owes, I think he does owe Hamlin. Okay, we're on but the same we're, page we're, on we're, that one. Huh? I said we're on the same page on that one then. Yeah, we're on the same page there. I think though with with with, with Austin, a lot of his frustration is and I, I think he, he knows, obviously, Kyle Bush is better than him. He knows that more resources are being shifted to the eight car than the three car. And he knows he was having a good day. I'd be frustrated too. I, I, I say that knowing that I'm uh, believing that I think that wreck was 90% Austin Dillon's fault. But yeah. and I, and I did want to say too that the car did its job, by the way. Uh, a lot of broken pieces off that car. Um, so kudos to NASCAR to continue to try to improve the, 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 the crumple zones of this next gen car one year after Kurt Busch was sidelined. And will likely remain sideline for a long time to come. So, oh, don't remind me. Um, so just, just that's good to see with the car there because that was a vicious hit, very, very vicious hit. All right, Rob, uh, that's upshift downshift this week. Weekend wrap up. Uh, take us through the uh, the winners and uh, notes of the week. All right, let's take a look here in Formula Three at the Hungaro Ring. We had Gabriel Nini and Zach O'Sullivan uh, winning those races, and then in Formula Two we had Dennis Hauger and Jack Doohan. Uh, winning uh, sprint and feature races in those that weekend. Uh, then Max Verstappen ran away with things in the Hungaro Ring in the Hungarian, Hungarian Grand Prix. 12th uh, win in a row for Red Bull. Uh, new record in F1. Yeah, of course it is. I'm not surprised. Uh, SRX ran Stafford Part 2, where uh, Hello Newman, Ryan Newman got the dub. Uh, surprisingly, uh, this was a very interesting, very action-packed race. Uh, how about Marco Andretti coming up and grabbing third, and Ken Schrader getting fourth? How about Good that, Ken. Ken, Kenny Schrader? Different Ken. I love it. I love it. I love 
the fact that Marco Andretti and Ken Schrader finished third and fourth. I just love that. Who was I second? I did great. not get to watch this race because I was driving back from Atlanta. As I will, mm-hmm. I will be. I won't be able to watch this week either. But who who was second? I'm trying to remember. I don't even remember. I know who well. finished third and fourth, but I can't even remember who finished second. I want to say no, it wasn't Kanan because Kanan's brakes blew out, which that was a scary crash. I did see that. That was wild. Yeah, that was. He he just went into turn one, brake to the floor. It didn't slow down. Like brakes just dot blue. I mean, I knew those rotors were getting hot, but man, I didn't think they were gonna start failing. Yeah, literally. The brakes left the chat. Oh boy. Um then over at uh in Iowa we had uh the Indy NXT race in there. Christian Rasmussen won. Always good to see Indy Lights race on an oval. We should have more of those. Uh Joseph Newgarden swept both of the IndyCar races at Iowa because there's just literally no beating Team Penske Corn this King. weekend. Corn King. Yeah. Uh, and then in NASCAR, we had uh, we had an ARCA race that got rained out for 8.30 in the morning on a, on, a, on a Saturday morning. Boy, if you were there at 8.30 in the morning, you got a lot of racing in, what, 12 hours time? It was a good, good, good yeah. ticket out there. Good yeah, ticket. Uh, I like that they, I like what they do with Pocono. I like the that big ticket thing. Yeah. You know, I like having a lot of things to do. As much the, as I hate having trucks and poking and, and, and yeah, everybody Pocono, knows um, it's, it's a good ticket. It's a good value. Good for them. Um, uh, for everyone there at the track, there should be more like it in my yes. opinion. Cause it's like, because there's so many series there, there's so many cars, there's cars on track all the time. It's not like how NASCAR races are now where, you know, they do everything in their power to make sure that there's as minimal track time as possible. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway. Uh, In the truck series, Craftsman Truck Series, Kyle Busch got the 100th win for KBM. And again, I will say it again and again and again. I don't care that Kyle Busch races in the truck series. In fact, he could run... I'd be happy to see him run every single truck series race in the future like he said he wants to. I hope that he wins over half the races and runs away with the championship. Even in the playoffs. I hope that happens. Just so that people can stop being upset. Say, hey, he's not a cup driver leeching. He's running full time. What are you going to do about it? You can't call him out for leeching. And that's what the truck series should be anyway. It should be for young drivers. It should be for drivers like Kyle Busch. It should be like for drivers like like Ron Hornaday. It should be for drivers like Matt Crafton. Those are the drivers that the truck series is meant for. Not Haley Deegan or whatever. Anyway. Uh, then the Xfinity series. Boy, what a finish that was. Crazy, crazy race. Fun race. I actually love that Xfinity race more than I thought I would. That was a fun little race. They were... They were doing a lot of drafting there. That was fun. Uh, but old Austin Hilly Hill got the dub. Uh, didn't think that was going to happen. Didn't think it was going to happen, but it did happen, so good for him. Uh, and in the Cup Series, stop me if you've heard this one before, but Denny Hamlin won at Pocono. I mean, he's really, really good at Pocono. Let's just face the facts. And you want to know how he got good at Pocono? He raced NR 2003. So remember, kids, when your parents say that, that those video games are right in your brain, you just look, the, look them straight in the eye and say, William Byron, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Denny Hamlin, all these guys got, their st- got better at what they did by doing this. 
Um, outstanding performance, Josh. Who you got this week? Man, I don't really know who to pick. Um, you know, I originally wrote down Joseph Newgarden, and I really want to give it to Joseph because it really was just a. It is a one of those moments where he did everything he could um, to cut into Alex Pelot's lead, and in reality, he took thirty-seven points out. He entered. I mean, the the, the, the lead was one hundred and seventeen points over Dixon. Well, Newgarden leapfrogged Dixon and cut thirty-seven points off of Pelot's Pelot's lead. That's it. This if Pelot has issues the next couple weeks. Iowa could be the could be the turning point of the season where you're like, well, this is where New Garden won it. And what's crazy is it's not like Pelot even had that bad of finish. Like he still finished top five, top ten. Seventh and third. Right. So it's yeah. not even like he had bad a bad weekend. It's just New Garden was so dominant. He was able and here's the thing too, Scott Dixon, he didn't even have a bad weekend. Like, yeah, he finished a lap down, but he still finished the top ten, top six. Like literally, he still finished the top ten. Yeah. I mean, it, it was yeah. Oof. Like how, um, how, how do you finish in the top ten? That's the thing that was so crazy to me after the first race is is Dixon finished in the top ten, finished ahead of Polo, and still lost ground to Polo. Yeah. If, if, like, Newgarden jumped him. Like, he went, he entered that race 117 points behind Polo in second in the championship. And he exited 114 points behind Polo in the championship. But instead of second, he was then third, which is just wild to me to think that he gained, he, he, he cut into Polo's points lead, but lost second in the process. Yeah, it, it it was just one of those weekends. You're like, what the heck happened? And I'm sure that's what the Ganassi team is 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 looking at right now with the with the nine car. Uh, and then I just want to say shout out Parker Kligerman. Uh, had a good rebound race. Um, finished. He's still twelfth in points. So even if Jeb Burton had a one, he'd be in the playoffs right now. But Parker finished ninth, gained a little bit of ground on on the on the playoff line, and that is now Riley Herbst. That's Riley Herbst. And he made a, did a Hail Mary at the end of that race trying to get he in. Did. He I, did. I, I, mean, I was rooting for him. I was rooting for him. Like, you know what? I really want to see Riley win this race and, and, and get that W. On I, fuel I, mileage, nonetheless. I, That's what he was going to yeah. try and do it on. Yeah. Um, but, uh, man, this the Xfinity, this... I thought last year and the year before, you just cannot get back. The Xfinity playoff race this year is oh, it's going to be tight. I love the Xfinity series. It's it's absolutely great. So, Rob, who's your outstanding performance? I just in general, I mean, Team Penske. I mean, you see the way that they ran at Iowa. I mean, they had the whole field by the balls. I mean, there was nothing that they anybody was going to do to stop them. I mean, Power, McLaughlin, and Newgarden were quite literally the three fastest cars out there. And there was just nothing. I mean, those three guys were constantly battling for the lead, swapping the lead. I mean, usually New Garden was, you know, the guy out in front, but McLaughlin was no slouch. Power was no slouch. It's just like, wow, Team Penske just brought their stuff today. And that's something that's crazy because I think at the beginning of the season and even last season to to a lesser extent, I think we were kind of wondering what had happened to Team Penske. You know, we were kind of wondering what, where where the team went, where the team where the speed went in the team. Well, they've got it back now. I mean, New Garden's on a tear with these oval races. McLaughlin's having good runs. 
Will Power, Will Power is is he's having better runs than he has been in the last couple of years. He's still winless, but he's he's gonna get there. Um, you know, just overall Team Penske, man, could can't can't really think about can't really think of anyone else who was more dominant than all three of those Penske cars. All right, then uh, we'll go into your featured season. Then, if uh, if you want to take it home, because we're we're early tonight. Happens when we don't have a lot of news to talk about. I guess and we that still must. had a we had a we had a loaded upshift downshift too. But uh, yeah, let's just kind of roll right along here. Uh, uh, you know, send our folks home a little early, uh, or move on to your next podcast, whatever that next podcast is. Maybe you're listening to Actions Detrimental next. Who knows? You're, well, I'm sorry uh, for spoiling it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, but uh, you can hear his take after listening to ours, which is fine. It'd be great. Um, I, you know, I rolled the dice, and this year, in this time, this week, it landed on the year 1999, and the other die uh, landed on Winston Cup. So I'm talking about uh, the 1999 NASCAR Winston Cup Series uh, this this uh, this week. Uh, finishing 10th in the standings was Mike Skinner. Mike Skinner finished 10th in the standings, driving the number 31 for RCR. He did not score a win, but had a best finish overall of third at Charlotte's Fall Race. Uh, at the time, again, was on the Oval. In ninth, we just I just name-dropped him here a few minutes ago, Ward Burton. Uh, before he, I he love was pro- Ward! He was probably still grabbing snakes off the side of the road then, just didn't have social media to post it on. But uh, he was driving the number 22 for Bill Davis. No wins for him in 99. Uh, and had a best finish of second three times at Las Vegas, the Southern 500, and Rockingham's Fall Race. Uh, Rusty Wallace finished eighth in the standings for Team Penske. The number two scored a single win at the Spring Bristol Race. Dale Earnhardt finished seventh. Uh, obviously driving the black number three. I mean, come on. That's obvious, right? Uh, RCR there. Uh, he scored three wins, both Talladegas, uh, in the Bristol Fall Race. Uh, winning a season-high seven races, but inconsistency landed Jeff Gordon in sixth in the final standings. And then number 24 for HMS. He won the Daytona 500, the Spring Atlanta Race, Fontana, Sonoma, Watkins Glen, the Fall Martinsville Race, and the Fall Charlotte Race. In fifth was Jeff Burton in the number 99 for Roush Racing, who scored a career-high six victories. Uh, He won at Las Vegas. Uh, Darlington won, Spring Darlington. Coca-Cola 600, uh, the Summer New Hampshire race, the Southern 500, and the Fall Rockingham race. And yes, if you were listening close, all three of Ward Burton's second-place finishes this year were to younger brother Jeff. Boy, that sucks. (laughs) Nah. Can I finish second to anyone but my brother? I mean, it's rule one, you gotta beat your teammate. Rule two, you gotta beat your brother. Right? Is that is that a thing? I wanna make yeah, it a thing. I, I think I think that's a thing. Okay, good. All right, well, moving on here. Rookie Tony Stewart finished fourth in the final standings, driving the number twenty for Joe Gibbs. He scored three wins late all later half a season here. The fall Richmond race, and then he won back to back races at Phoenix and Homestead. Uh Mark Martin finished third in the standings. Another top three finish for him in the final standings here. For Roush, number six. He scored two wins at the at the Spring Rockingham and the Fall Dover races. Uh, and runner-up in the standings was Bobby Labonte. Uh, 
tonight in the number 18 for Joe Gibbs, uh, scored uh, five wins. He won at the spring uh, slash summer Dover race, the June Pocono race, the July Pocono race, because you can't have summer one, summer two. Uh, he won at the uh, uh, August Michigan, and then he won the season finale race at Atlanta. And winning the championship, the 1999 Winston Cup Series championship, Dale Jarrett, uh, the number 88 for Robert Yates, a beautiful Ford Quality Care Taurus, I might add. Uh, he scored only four wins compared to, I say only four, when, but when you have three guys behind you in the standings that got more than that, that's pretty impressive. Uh, he won at the Spring Richmond, the June Michigan, the July 4th Daytona, and uh, at uh, Indianapolis. So there you go. Uh, other winners this year were Terry Labonte at Texas, Texas Terry winning in Texas, John Andretti at Martinsville Spring Race, and Joe Nemechek at the Fall New Hampshire Race. So there you go. That was the 1999 Winston Cup Series in a snapshot. Uh, by the way, just... Great paint schemes that year. I know we just I, we say that a lot. Rob's nodding your head. He's nodding his head. Well, there's a lot of great paint schemes. Um, I still say ninety four ish, ninety five, maybe ninety three, ninety four to like two thousand seven. Golden age of two things in NASCAR: one die casts and two paint schemes. So, just uh. Just great. I love talking about those seasons there. All right, Rob, what's in the windshield here? Uh, Formula One races this Sunday at Spa Franker Charles for the Belgian Grand Prix, uh, followed by three weekends off for the summer break. Why they couldn't have waited to get rid of Nick DeVries now? This shows Helmet Marco's hatred for the young man. I'll leave that there. Uh, hopefully a series he's racing in next year, though. Formula E finishes their 2023 season this weekend with a doubleheader in London. Supercars takes on Sydney Motorsports Park for the Sydney Super Night this Saturday and Sunday. IndyCar takes one week off, but returns with the Nashville Street Circuit uh, for the third straight season on August 6th. The NASCAR Xfinity Series, they're going to America's Road, Road America, this Saturday. Thank goodness. Uh... Just glad to see they're still going there. If they would not have gone back, I might have rioted. I really wouldn't have. That's not the way to handle situations. But I would have been very mad. Uh, the Arkham and Art Series West race at Shasta Speedway in California on Saturday. And the NASCAR Cups and Truck Series are at Richmond Raceway. So uh, both day both, both day races. Wait, is the Truck Series at night? Or is it a day race? Dude, I don't it, know. Might be, it might be a night race. I don't remember. I didn't write that down, but I know trucks on Saturday, cups on Sunday. That's all I can tell you. Um, but uh, yeah, got a lot of racing this weekend for you. Uh, also a couple off, but uh, I'm going to try to watch the Belgian Grand Prix. Uh, I did not get to a chance to watch the Hungaro Ring this, this weekend. I slept in. I said I need to sleep and uh, could not get to sleep in, in time to make it acceptable for me to get up and then take a nap and just feel bad the rest of the day. Couldn't do it. Meanwhile, I worked a 5 a.m. to 2 p.m. shift and watched it anyway. There you go. Well, I mean, hey, there you go. You can do that. You know, until you're told no, do it, right? Sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Um, 
But uh, yeah, anything that lasts for you to, to 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 talk about, Rob? No, I'm good. I think I'm ready to uh, wrap the show up and head on to bed because uh, right. you know you you, you guys it, don't realize it, but yeah, it is it is my weekend. Monday, Tuesday is my new weekends now. So I don't yeah. work Mondays and Tuesdays, but then I work Wednesday through Sunday. So. Yeah. Well, everybody, uh, we need to get robbed to bed. And I need to get to bed, too, to be honest with you. So thank you for listening. Let us know your thoughts on your standout Denny Hamlin paint scheme. Uh, you can uh, tweet at us. You can thread at us. Uh, and, uh, yeah, let us know your thoughts on some of the upshift, downshift questions here. Make sure whichever platform you are listening to us right now, you hit subscribe and turn the notifications on so you know when Rob has uploaded the uh this episode and every episode uh later on to, to to come this season and in the future so uh again subscribe turn those notifications on our socials rob is on twitter soon to be rebranded as x i'm still going to call it tweety the tweety uh just like craig ferguson uh by the way craig ferguson can you please come back to late night thank you uh, i doubt you're, doubt you're listening to this show but uh cbs cares um cbs cares cbs cares uh Rob on Twitter. What else are talking about? He's R Peters thirty three. R P E E T E R S thirty three. I am at Roller underscore zero one. R O L L E R underscore zero one. The show's at Robin Roller just as it sounds. We're on Threads at Robin Roller just like that. Um, so and we have some. Uh, we're trying some new stuff out here in the next few weeks. So just pay attention to the socials and the show, and we'll tell you where you can find some cool stuff. All right, everybody. That is the show. We're time. My my phone has turned off. What time are we at? We're at one hour and 37 minutes, Josh. We oh, nailed it. Now, this is wild. I kind of always want to talk for like seven, eight more minutes just to waste time, but I don't want to do that because I want to send everyone home so you can get on to Actions Detrimental or whatever your next podcast the is. If it's Junior Download. The Dale Junior Download could be uh, Door Bumper Clear. Clearly, Austin Dillon was still on Door. All right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm gonna. I'm gonna walk away now. Go watch um, Oppenheimer because it's a BA movie, man. It's awesome. Barbie. I'm sorry. That's, yeah, that's awesome. I've heard Barbie. good things about Barbie and Oppenheimer. Oh, that's. In, uh, that, that, I've, I've heard very mixed things about Barbie, but it's. Uh, I feel like it's one of those you gotta sh- gotta go to it to see it yourself, and I don't plan to. Um, I don't plan on spending thirty bucks at a movie theater just to go see Barbie. If I'm gonna spend thirty bucks at a movie theater, I'm gonna go see gonna go see oppenheimer okay i love but i love historical films and i also love margot robbie films so yeah but that 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 it works it's 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 for me it's a perfect double feature it is a perfect double feature me can make an afternoon of that yeah i think i think i will yeah that that uh sounds like a good idea okay before we get judged any further for rob peters i'm josh roller and this has been the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. Have a great week, everybody, and enjoy the races at Richmond, Spa, Franklin, but most importantly, Road America. Goodbye, everybody.